Hello, this is Michael Novenson with Information Security Media Group, coming to you from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, site of Palo Alto Networks Ignite 22. I'm joined today by Nir Zook. He is the founder and chief technology officer at Palo Alto Networks. Started the company in 2005 after spending time as an engineer at Checkpoint and NetScreen Technologies. Good morning, Nir. How are you? Good morning, Michael. Great. Thank you. Thank you for making the time. Delivered a keynote on the stage yesterday. You were talking a little bit about how automation and AI are changing the security operations center. I want to get a sense from you of what are some of the things machines are capable of doing in the SOC today that weren't possible a year or two? Machines can do almost everything that humans can do in the SOC. Actually, they can do, I would take the extra mile and say that they can do everything that humans do today in the SOC. Humans should be doing other things that machines cannot do. And it's a continuous progress uh, with the growing availability of cheaper and cheaper compute and storage in the cloud, as well as algorithms and the collection of data that's required to drive AI. Uh, we're getting better and better every year. So this year we can do things we couldn't do last year and things we can do two years ago, thanks to these things. So what, what are some of the most notable advances that you've seen in, in AI in recent years and what, uh, what's fueled those investments and what's the tangible impact? The advancements are not in AI itself. You know, the, the AI algorithms are pretty known and they've been known for a long time. It's how you use them. And, and more importantly, how do you collect the data and how do you arrange the data so the AI algorithms can run in the cost. And what are some of the tasks which machines are doing more of in, in the context of the SOC? And what are some of the things where humans are still, still bringing maybe a bit of an advantage to the table? Sure. So we should first understand how security operation centers work today. Essentially, it's mostly alert-driven, meaning you get an alert in the SOC. Sometimes the alert is generated by something in the infrastructure. You know, your firewall found something bad. Your endpoint security found something bad. Someone tried to log in and failed. And, and sometimes those, those alerts are generated by your employees. Like, I found something that I suspect is phishing. I click the phishing button. It ends up in alert, being an alert in the SOC. The SOC gets alerts. They get tens of thousands of alerts per day. They need to handle those alerts. Humans cannot handle 10,000 alerts. So what they do traditionally is they use the SIEM, the Security Incident Event Management Tool, like Splunk and ArcSight and Curator, and they write correlation rules. It's a bombastic name for something very simple. You basically write rules to ignore alerts. Humans decide a priori, based on parameters that they make up, which alerts can be ignored. And they always ignore enough alerts such that the number of alerts they end up with are the number of alerts that the humans can handle, which is usually 0.001% of the actual alerts that you get. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so the first thing that AI can do is to handle all alerts. And, and it's, it's, by the way, it's not AI. Handling alerts is mostly what we used to call RPA, robotic process automation. Security people don't like to feel old, so they have a new name for it. They call it SOAR, SOAR, Security Orchestration Automation and Response. Basically, process automation. Uh, so most of the alerts are actually handled with process automation. There's not much AI that, that's required to, to automate alert processing, but we have many customers, including our internal SOC, that get to a point where they handle 100% of the alert. And so, so that's the first thing you can do. The second thing that can be done is, is more extreme and, and certainly requires a lot of AI. And, and that's based on the observation. Whenever there is a security incident, you always end up figuring out what happened. Meaning, there is always the information spread out across the organization to understand the bad guys came from here and they did this and they, they jumped there and they took this data and they exfilled it like this and, and so on. You always end up figuring out what happened. You always have the data to figure out what happened. 
And that raises the question. Uh, yesterday, a customer told me that he felt like I'm spreading salt on their wounds when I was saying that uh, during my keynote. That raises up the question. If you always have the data to figure out what happens, what happened after the incident, why didn't you figure out in real time that the incident was happening? You had the data. And the answer is humans cannot investigate a million events per second. It's easier to wait for a data breach and then spend two, three weeks on investigating the events that are relevant rather than investigating a million events per second. AI can do that. So the more ambitious goal of SOC automation is to say, I'm going to investigate each and every event, not alert, event, someone going to a website, someone opening a file on an endpoint, someone storing something in a storage bucket in the cloud and so on. I'm going to take each of these events, million events per second for each customer, and investigate them all. That's something that only AI can do. People cannot. Uh, from a cross-correlation standpoint, what, what role does that play in terms of reducing the number of events that humans have to put eyes on? And intangibly, what are some of the challenges or obstacles to cross-correlating all the, all the different telemetry? Traditionally, correlation was used to reduce the number of alerts using static. If you see this, this, and this, then it's probably not important, ignore these alerts. If you see this and that, this is super important, bring it to the top of it. So this is what traditionally SOC analysts or SOC engineers would refer to as using correlation. I think that with machine learning, with AI, correlation gets a different meaning. We don't use correlation to reduce the number of alerts that humans need to handle. We actually handle each and every alert. No alert goes unhandled. Mm -hmm. Each alert, preferably a group of alerts, which we call an incident. And how do you group them? Yeah, you can group them with rules. Usually you group them using some simple math. But each, each incident gets a ticket assigned, gets investigated, gets responded to, gets closed. Each incident, each alert, with as little as possible human we're moving away from using correlation rules, correlating events, to decide what to handle and what not to handle. And we're just handling everything. What we do use is we take all the different data sources that we have, and not using correlation rules, but using machine learning, we try to find the bad things in that data, finding the, the hole of the needle in the haystack. So I know you rolled out XIM earlier this year, and a building block for that was XDR. And then Forrester put out their wave last year for XDR. They had Trend Micro and Microsoft as leaders. Palo Alto Network's a strong performer, along with the likes of CrowdStrike and Sentinel One. What's different mm -hmm. about your approach to XDR versus the likes of Trend Micro or Microsoft or EDR then? Four years ago, there was EDR. EDR stands for Endpoint Detection and Response. Collect information from the endpoint, either say that you do or actually do some machine learning on it to find attacks. Four years ago at Ignite, the same event that we're in right now, I think it was, an, in, uh, uh, I think it was either three years or four, four years ago at Anaheim, California, I stood on stage and said, EDR is the most stupid idea I've ever heard about in cybersecurity and there's just no, no reason to do EDR because it's like putting the blinds on and focusing just on endpoint data. When humans do hunting for attacks, when humans do what EDR is trying to do, they never do it just based on endpoint. They do it based on endpoint data, network data, cloud data, uh, application data, like SaaS applications, public cloud applications, private ap cloud applications, and so on. They take all the data, data and they hunt. You can't expect machines to do things that humans don't do. That's why EDR is a really, really dumb idea, just limiting yourself to endpoint. And anyone claiming they can do machine learning on endpoint data and find bad things is probably departing from the truth in some way or another. 
So I said it on stage. Of course, all the vendors said, no, 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 what is he talking about? ADR is the most important thing is security, blah, 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 blah. And what I said on stage is, no, you need to take all the different sources, any source, that's what the X used to stand for, any source, and do detection and response across everything. We do it on network, endpoint, cloud, SaaS. We are in all these different areas. These vendors started saying that they're losing business to Palo Alto Networks, and what they said is, oh, no, 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 we do XDR as well. To do XDR, you need data from the network. None of these vendors is a network vendor. They don't get data. You need endpoint data. Yeah, they're all endpoint data vendors, even though most of them will only collect five megabytes per day, not 200 megabytes per day to save money. You need data from cloud. Most of these vendors aren't cloud security vendors. You need data from SaaS applications. None of these vendors is a CASB vendor. Uh, you need data from public cloud applications. None of them is doing AppSec in the cloud. They're doing CSPM and things like that. They say they do XDR, but in reality, they do EDR with a different name. I did want to talk a little bit about the cloud. I know cloud security, its heritage is often in that cloud access security broker technology that we saw from the likes of Sky High Networks and we saw from Netscope. Now we're seeing yourselves and other companies roll out what, uh, what's called the CNAP, the cloud network application platform. And I was curious, what are some of those common new and emerging use cases you're seeing for cloud security? What, what segments within cloud security are seeing the strongest? So first, I personally think that we should separate SaaS applications from public cloud. And, and Sky High and uh, uh, Netscope that you mentioned are doing SaaS security, what we call a CASB, cloud access. It has nothing to do with access or, or brokerage, but that's what we decided to call SaaS security. So I would separate that from cloud native. Now, in the cloud native security space, you see hundreds of vendors trying to do different pieces of, of that. We decided to take a platform approach and to do all the different things that you need for cloud security in one platform. We call it Prisma Cloud. So you deploy at most one agent on every workload. You can decide not. And, and we connect to your source code development tools, your CI-CD tools, connect, of course, to all your runtime environments, to your PaaS applications, and so on. And we run many different functions vertically. Within cloud, then, I mean, are there particular areas, whether it's application security, supply chain code security, where you're seeing increased customer interest this year? When you look at the way cloud security is being sold today, and the way the different analyst firms are talking about. They don't talk about supply chain security. They don't talk about upset. They talk about three and four letter acronyms, and there are about 20 of them that I'm not sure why anyone cares about, with the exception of the vendors that are selling them. So they talk about CSPM, cloud security. The cloud, they talk about CWP, cloud workload. They talk about source code security, SCA. They talk about, there are like 20 of these acronyms, RASP, uh, random application self-protection. I, I don't even remember all of them. And that doesn't make any sense. Now, the reason it makes sense is because with the unreasonable tradition of the cybersecurity industry, you know, every little problem gets its own uh, set of vendors. So you have a lot of vendors in each and every little area like that. So you have 20 CSPM vendors and 20 CWP vendors and 20 SCA vendors and 20... RAS vendors and 20 API security vendors and 20 WAS vendors and 20 each of these vendors, and that doesn't make any sense. When you're a bigger vendor and when you talk about platforms, then you can start talking about outcomes, and then your question becomes relevant. So yet again, I don't want to go to the entire Palo Alto Networks history, but yet again, Palo Alto Networks is fighting the entire industry on a platform versus you need 20 different products from 20 different vendors approach. 
And our approach, which resonates, I think, really well with your question, is outcomes. You want supply chain security? That has to happen throughout the entire uh, life cycle of the cloud, starting with code development security, going through CICD security, look at what you deploy, and also runtime. Let's make sure that in runtime, nobody's exploiting anything in our supply chain that we didn't know about. You want to do AppSec? Same thing. It has to go through the entire life cycle of the cloud, all the way from cloud code to runtime. That's our approach. That's what a platform can do. I really hope other vendors will follow that. And we, we have an opportunity with cloud. We have an opportunity not to repeat the mistakes of, you know, in, in the past, we went through, in, in cybersecurity, we just went through a very unhealthy process of every time there's a new challenge, you have a new set of vendors solving the challenge. That was mostly because the large vendors were, the large early vendors, some of which were my previous employers, were resting on their laurels and you know, trying to generate cash rather than solving customers' problems. And, and, and we got to a point where you need so many different vendors for so many different things. It's a process that took 25 years. In cloud, first, we need to secure cloud today, not over the next 25 years. And second, we have an opportunity to do things the right way from the get-go. Build platforms, different vendors, we can build platforms and compete on the entire platform. And, and hopefully customers will follow that. I mean, we're seeing that. We're by far the largest cloud security vendors and certainly our customers are buying into the platform story, but I really hope that other vendors follow as well and we don't, we don't fund and we don't create uh, thousands of vendors. For when I've spoken to some of the startups in this cloud security market, whether it's Orca or Wiz or Sysdig, and I ask them, who are your biggest competitors and what makes you different? They've all pretty much had the same answer, which is Prisma Cloud is their biggest competitor and what makes them different is that they built everything natively while Prisma Cloud had acquired a bunch of companies and stitched them together. Talk about what that means from a user experience standpoint. So I wanted to get a sense from you of, given that Prisma Cloud was built off a number of acquisitions, how have you gone about integrating all those disparate technologies, and then how did you, how, what have you done to maximize the user experience? Yeah, so first, Prisma Cloud is built on a few acquisitions of cloud-native security companies, plus a lot of internal cloud security development. You know, we have way more engineers working on cloud security than any of these vendors that you mentioned. When we acquire companies, we look at three things. The first thing we look at is cultural fit. We will not acquire a company where there is no culture between the two, because we want to have one company with one culture. The second thing we look at is whether geographically it makes sense. We prefer to acquire vendors, and so far we acquired mostly vendors, in the San Francisco Bay Area and in Tel Aviv, where we have R&D. And then the third thing we look at, which is not less important than the other two, is how easy it is to integrate the technology into our product because we don't leave things that we acquire standalone. We always integrate them, whether it's for network security, whether it's for cloud security, whether it's for SOC automation, the three areas where we, we have products or we have platforms. So anything that we acquire always goes into one of our three platforms. And cloud security is not in the... So yes, we acquired a little bit less than 10 companies in, in cloud security, I think nine. And they were all integrated. They were all native to get from the get-go, and they're all integrated into one platform, one agent, one... I feel good that this is the best thing they can say against Palo Alto Network. What we say about them is they're selling point products. And you still need, you know, if you buy Orca, Wiz, whatever, you still need to buy RASP, and you still need to buy API security, and you still need to buy source code security, and you still need to buy supply chain security, and you still need to buy all those different things. With Palo Alto Networks, you just buy Prisma Cloud, and you get all of it in one 
wanted to talk specifically about the cybersecurity acquisition from last month. From a technology standpoint, I know we've seen a lot of startups get money in the past 24 months in this code security market, supply chain security, since the SolarWinds attack became known to people. What makes Cider's approach to this issue different than maybe some of their peers? I think that the main thing that makes them different, different is that they integrate different ACA tools into one platform. You know, you already have ACA for your on-premise development. And so, so bringing them together into one platform is very, very important. You don't have to change the way you work. I think it's important to mention that SolarWind is not something that would have been solved by cloud security. SolarWind is a traditional company, has nothing to do with cloud. And there was one, exactly one vendor that was able to stop SolarWinds zero day, and that was Palo Alto Networks. Actually, most of the other endpoint security vendors, those that you mentioned before, I think you mentioned CrowdStrike and Microsoft and, and, and others, their products were removed by the SolarWind uh, you know, exploit, by the DLL, weren't able to protect against anything on the endpoint. Uh, that, that, that attack has nothing to do with cloud, and it was protected by machine learning-based endpoint technology, not by uh, SCA. Maybe one more thing about source code security. SCA... SCA doesn't help that much with so, so supply chains. SCA doesn't help that much with supply chain. Thinking that you can take third-party libraries and, and run a lot of SCA on it and figure out where the, the backdoor is, probably unlikely to happen. It's more about finding your own problems than finding someone else's hidden. Or, or you find someone else's plain sight challenges that were put in by mistake. But to find something that was put into a source code package by mm -hmm. someone who knows what they're doing, SCA will never fall. Cloud security, this is really where analytics, XIM, and things like that come. Let me ask you here finally, as you look ahead to 2023, what do you feel are the biggest security-related challenges they're going to be dealing with? I think that the biggest challenge in cybersecurity today is that it has become so easy to deploy cybersecurity because of the move to SaaS, delivered cybersecurity. By the way, a move that Palo Alto Networks initiated. When I started Palo Alto Networks in 2005, there was no SaaS delivered cybersecurity. Everybody thought I was crazy to deliver cybersecurity, at that time, network security as SaaS. You know, it was either you buy everything, you buy everything, not either, you, bu you bought everything on premise. You know, if you wanted 10 different functions, then you deploy 10 different functions. Maybe you deploy a UTM, you know, one machine with 10 different functions on it, but you still have to deploy it. And, you know, we know that UTMs don't really work. But, but then every security project was three years long. And by the time you finish deploying it, you have to start from the beginning. Like you have to paint the, the Golden Gate Bridge again and again and again because technology changes. We changed the market. We switched the market to SaaS delivery. Once you do that, once it becomes so easy to deploy cybersecurity, you start seeing that the challenge is operating. What we're finding out is that cloud security, a lot of machine learn, learning-based security tools and, and others, they're generating very detailed, very complex alerts that humans just can't. And, and that's why when I talk to CISO, I recommend to all of them that the next project they have has to be SOC automation, such that they can continue to deploy more and more, buying more cybersecurity technologies without being able to operationalize them. So I think that operations is the biggest challenge, and it's now the limiting factor. Now that deployment is easy, operating, operating cybersecurity is the challenge, and that's the next thing, which is why we're investing so much in SOC XIM. Of course, will be an interesting uh, space to watch. Nir, thank you so much here for the time. Of course. Thank you, Michael. We've been speaking with Nir Zuki as the founder and CTO at Palo Alto Networks. For Information Security Media Group, this is Michael Novenson. Have a nice day.